Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 226. I painted my toenails for you just the other day. <laughs> my name is Josh Canal. To my left, John No Pants Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett, eight pairs of pants Cropley. Good evening, viewers. It's hard for you to walk like that. Um, I just lunge a lot. There's <laughs> a lot of lunging. It's that's very a, disconcerting. That's a little callback to uh, Matt LeBlanc on Friends. <laughs> ah, ah, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, nice. Get it now. Good, good. Uh, all They're not my pants. That's what. That's yeah, the yeah. point. Yeah, yeah, not your pants. They're your pants. Josh. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, which disturbs me a, a lot. All about television. Did I mention that? You did. You did. Not all about Eurovision. Not all about Eurovision. A <laughs> little bit about Eurovision. There'll, there'll, last, yeah, there'll be a bit. Last night we did have our first ever Box Cutters Presents Eurovision 2010. In fact, it's our only ever Box Cutters Presents Eurovision, Eurovision 2010. 2010. We'll probably never present it again. Yeah, Although, probably. don't rule it out. Because it could be fun to you know, just get together and play the same Eurovision you've already seen. Yes. <laughs> yes, it could. We could actually present Eurovision 1976. I have that at home. <laughs> I like the idea. That could be interesting. Anyway. Uh, was that the one that Martin Kelly was on? Uh, that was the one in Brighton, wasn't it, with ABBA? Am I thinking... Oh, anyway, I've got, I've got a couple of them at home. Anyway, that's not the point. That's not the point. The point is Eurovision 2010 was the one we presented last night. Yes. And it was an excellent night. It was, it was a, yeah, it went off. Mm. I went, loved it. Went off in an ironic way at first, and then I think segued into a slightly non-ironic way at the end. I did like the fact that, the, and thank you to everyone who came to the, the party last night, because it was, it was quite, quite phenomenal. Um, uh, everyone would cheer these, these, these moments, um, which we'll go through, but I also like the fact that, that then the, they would also turn, and a lot of booing. Which Lots I, of was booing. A lot of booing. Anything, was that any- one of the, the game, drinking game things? No, we didn't even mention that, but ballads, oh, ballads came out badly. Yeah, if you were doing a ballad last night, don't expect Vibe on Smith Street to be behind you. Um, it was, there, there was a game in the beginning, Now we said to uh, celebrate, I think was the word Excellent. we were using. Well, I, I think the first instance of that was when I came out with my acoustic guitar and my mournful face. Yeah, I don't know why you did that properly. You should have known your mournful face and your acoustic guitar was not going to go down well. That was a very beautiful song if people had listened. Nobody, uh, nobody likes your mournful face. No one wants to see your acoustic guitar. That's true. Put it away. It's heartfelt. <laughs> Put it away. That's why he's wearing so many pants. But we, we did say, so celebration. Now, what was your list, Josh Canal? You said to celebrate the following things whenever they happened. Uh, uh, I did throw the list out at the end of the night. Yeah. Uh, but they, they were, uh, if there was a costume reveal. Mm-hmm. If there was a key change. Oh, okay. I love a key change. If there was a money note. Mm-hmm. What's, uh, a, what's a money note? A, a, a money note is, is when uh, someone really belts out a note and kind of goes, <laughs> like that, and just holds it for ages. Like, like Gemini in 2003. Yes, yes. Your uh, vision gag there. Getting, uh, it's, it's getting people drunk, but not necessarily making people enjoy way. it. Uh, pyrotechnics. Pyrotechnics. Uh, wind, wind machines. Wind machine. uh, big night for wind machines. Wind machines everywhere. Someone uh, said uh, fog machine should have been one as well, and and uh, one that yeah. one that I think we called stagecraft, uh, which is uh, just anyone if someone accidentally comes out of a piano, yeah, or, a magic stapler, yeah, magic stapler, I did, uh, mirrors. I, I the streaker like invades the pitch. <laughs> yeah, that, that was interesting. We'll get to that in a moment. I, and I did want to add one for next year. I was saying, um, I thought uh, uh, something like um, inappropriately arty, and when it happens, everyone should go, oh. So, like, if someone oh. you know, puts a, a avant-garde dance on stage or a magic see-through wall, as I think it was a, 
it was Denmark at the end. Yes, yes. Wasn't, wasn't that just a tribute to the the love scene from American Express? Where, especially when he got his nipple up against the, the translucent sheep. Yeah, Denmark's a funny place. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Brett, if you uh, if you turn on my computer noises, yeah. uh, I've got some highlights that we can uh, that we can hear, uh, so so you can understand exactly how much people enjoyed last night. Let's well, Sunday the- nights, uh, s- s- Sunday nights Eurovision party. Let's go to the tape. Was that Opa? It's a bit of Opa. And then there was some booing for the UK. Someone there saying, "You suck." Yeah, yeah, and I, I really, I really enjoyed that lackluster applause yeah. at the end of the UK. Song. So, so that's just some highlights. The some, UK some really Opa, did suck, some... though. I think we should just point out the UK. The UK <sighs> sent in a song. It was written by two thirds of Stockhaven and Waterman, and it sounded like a, a two thirds of Stockhaven and Waterman. Apparently, it the guy sounded... singing it had already distanced himself from the song. <laughs> really? How? How can you do that? How, like, how, how can you sing a song but also pretend to not have anything to do with the singing of the That's song? Great, the, I think on local media. <laughs> I, I, I like the fact that on the way out, a bunch of us were discussing that song and we couldn't quite remember what it was called. And I remember it called, Is This Good Enough? And <laughs> someone else remembered it called, That Sounds Okay. <laughs> it was just this, this idea that it just, it just reeked of half arsery, I think. Yeah. Unlike The Night... Which, uh, which went, went, went really, really nicely. Yeah. So thanks to everyone who turned up. Thanks so much to Vibe for, for being a part of it. And, uh, and you know, we're, we're going to have a lot more Box Cutters events mm. now, now that we've done one and no one stabbed us. <laughs> yeah, so we were a bit worried. But and, and now no we one, know how to No one stabbed us out of ha- hate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which, is, which is nice. Which is nice, I think. Next uh, coming up is uh, Box Cutters Presents Coyote Ugly, where we uh, <laughs> dance on the bar. It's an eminently danceable bar. Uh, c- coming up a lot more... Uh, just just the three of us, though. It's sexy as. Oh, r- really? <laughs> yeah. So Nelly's not a part of What's Nelly doing? She's if, pouring drinks. If Nelly was there, it would be sexist. It would be sexist right. if Nelly was there. Right. Yeah. So just us. <laughs> Too much exploitation. You know, there's, there's a Coyote Ugly bar in Austin, uh, and it just it looked so try-hard. Like, and it was it was like the quietest bar in the whole strip, and just mm-hmm. just terrible, terrible. <laughs> I can't believe I spent that much time there. We've uh, so so coming up before the Coyote Ugly Night, a lot sooner than that. In fact, in this very show, we're going to be speaking to James Talia about all the things that have been going on in the news and news coverage in the last however long it's been since we've spoken to him. I think it's nine years. Mm-hmm. Uh, with any luck, we're going to have a special guest calling in from Sydney to talk about having watched the 3D telecast of the State of Origin Rugby League last week. This segment still makes no sense to me. <laughs> Every time you explain who's going to be calling in, and still, I, I don't understand. Well, bear this in mind. It's very hard to find somebody who actually watched it in 3D Fair because enough. so few people did. This one person happens to be... Such a person. Okay. And uh, and he has agreed to, to call in, but is also a very busy man and might not make it. So I, I'm hoping I'm hoping that he does. Uh, we've got to fall back if he doesn't, and that's Brett dancing. 
On the bar. On the bar. Always great. Uh, we're going to have a video podcast. We're going to have a little uh, look at the uh, Bechdel test again and go through some of these shows that we've reviewed recently yes, to see if they. <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, to see you, if they you, cover. you know what he's like when you bring up third wave feminism. He I know. All, yeah, I know. He's all he's all second wave. He's so second wave. He's totally second wave feminist. Uh, John, you're going to talk a little bit about the UK election. I know it's 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 a long time past. <laughs> yes, I was going to talk. Last time I was in, and last time I was in, I was in bed being really ill. So um, in your your mind box, in my mind box, yeah. So I think my mind was quite you know. Uh, yeah. Innovative and uh, entertaining. The, uh, the discussion of Mindbox reminds me that uh, on Sunday night's uh, MasterChef, which I did manage to watch after Eurovision, <laughs> uh, they uh, they had the Mystery Box Challenge. Was it a sweet Mystery Box? Uh, it, was, it was not, but... Uh, Slightly salty. That you really had to hammer the Mystery Box... <laughs> You, you really had to stick it to the mystery box. <laughs> they that? really they they said phrases like that. So shove you, it in the mystery box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go really, with that mystery box with you, both fists. <laughs> you're really going to have to fist this mystery box. It was was to that effect, and I, I don't even remember what the challenge was. I just kept laughing. I just kept laughing. Uh, we've got one thing. If any of us remembered to pick one thing, uh, we might have some pork. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters News. And now for the news. That sounded more like a B, Brett, than... Uh, than but that was the news B. Oh, that's the news bee. Yeah. Ah, get it away! Get it away! We're being stung by news. Oh. <laughs> well, in, uh, in, in news of, of this week, uh, probably the, the most important bit of news is that a bunch of people I haven't mentioned in ages passed away. Oh, I don't know. In fact, one, I think I, I may never have mentioned on the, on the show ever. Did you think of him, though? Were you thinking of him? I haven't thought of him in, in uh, I don't know, 10 years. Do you probably. know who he is? Yes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that was one of the criteria. You killed him, Camille. Uh Art Linklater, who uh, who created Kids Say the Darndest Things, mm. passed away this week, uh, as did the two others that you probably heard of, Gary Coleman and Dennis Hopper. They, uh, uh, Dennis Hopper and people are going, Dennis Hopper, television, what? Uh, Dennis Hopper, of course, was uh, in the first series of 24, uh, and was also more recently in the uh, television version of Crash, the the film about LA uh, and uh, and and uh, race issues. Not not the film about people crashing cars what, and having sex did, with each other. Um, also, uh, Bonanza, The Twilight Zone, uh, Petticoat Junction, Junction, and The Time Tunnel. Oh, the time uh, tunnel. Oh, they, they would have been bit parts. I desperately want to see the time tunnel episode with Dennis Hopper in it because that'll be just creepy and unnerving. <laughs> well, what did Gary Coleman die from? I didn't he fe- he fell over. Fell over, Hit had a head. brain hemorrhage, and uh, and then they turned off the bloody hell the, the support. So, so is my understanding of uh, of the story. But yeah, it was it was suddenly he was only apparently like forty three or something. Forty two. Uh, apparently not uh, clear whether it was uh, related to his kidney disease, which he'd actually had uh, two kidney transplants and, and was uh, the reason why he, uh, he was 
Rather Russell. small. And so yes. he had dialysis daily or something, didn't he? Yeah. Was it? yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just a very sad life, though, mm. since, uh, since he was only ever uh, in the news for doing things that, uh, that, that were deemed to be, in some way, crazy. Uh, and uh, and a lot of, lot of uh, com- combat between him and his partner. Uh, yeah. In in re- recent years, uh, living in Utah, uh, previously had been working as a security guard in Los Angeles when a woman fan came up and demanded a, a uh, an autograph, and and he kind of went off at her. And twenty years ago, who who would have thought that Todd Bridges would be the one to outlast them? Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Let's all think on that. Let's he, all think. He, on that. he did go uh, rather close to the uh, the precipice, I, I believe. <laughs> he, he, he did. He yes. did. But but pulled it back, and then was on uh, on that uh, uh, celebrity. Uh, let's all learn to be a wrestler show that was on a, a few years ago, which was with Danny Bonaduce did, and some did other it have people. A pun based title. I, I thought oh. it should have a pun based. Oh, title. probably mm. celebrity ring punching. I don't know. <laughs> So, so, something like that. Uh, in uh, in other news, Google have uh, have said that their uh, upcoming TV software product, Google TV, is uh, quite probably going to be impacted by the government's proposed internet filter because so that's going to slow down all of our internet. Yeah, there's a there's a probability that the proposed filter might. Hang effect. on, hang on, hang on, Josh. Are you trying to tell me that the internet filter might be bad? Yeah, that's what Google are saying. No, surely not. Surely all the reports we've had on this show over the last year have suggested that the internet filter will bring nothing but joy and happiness. No matter how many people who who know everything about what they're talking about tell him, Conroy just will not back down on... It, it's always, what, do you want to help pedophiles shuffle it, kitty porn? It's like the terrorist thing, isn't it? The minute you throw in a, a child porn you can win any yeah. argument it's yeah. like yeah well i would make my room but then the child pornographers win mum yeah i'm gonna make my bed or else the kitty fiddlers win mother <laughs> <laughs> well uh having met your mother uh i i now have such a, a different uh, view of, of what growing up in your house must have been yeah. like my mother came to the eurovision party i i, I had to explain it so again eurovision. i had to explain to my mother what eurovision was and it's kind of fascinating to go well it's it's a sort of song competition but all the songs are terrible and we go and laugh at them and she's like why would you do that i thought Damn you in your pre-irony generation. <laughs> See, coming from coming from uh, Wogstock, as I do, right? Uh, my that parents. Was, that was that fantastic music festival back Wogstock. in the Wogstock. Yeah, oh, was, if you were there, you can't remember it or something. <laughs> if you can remember it, yeah. you, anyway. Demis Roussos, Peter Cetera. They were all there. They were all there. None of a scurry. None. Uh, uh, yeah, our, our parents uh, watched Eurovision all, all the time, so so we kind of grew up with Eurovision in the house, uh, quite aware of it as a competition since SBS started uh, started showing it. So I, I would, it, it's one of the things that I wouldn't have to explain. You know, I have to explain a lot about the internet and how how the web works and things like that. But Eurovision, not nah, my parents get it straight away, mm-hmm. straight away. They were they were. Uh, you know, talking to me about it this morning. Oh, what did you think about this song? What did you think about that? So, so they get it straight away. Is it, is that the news item? What what do our parents think of Eurovision? Well, parents, Brett, what do your parents think of Eurovision? Never spoken to them about it. <laughs> Why would I? 
It's very chilly. Brett sits on one side of the room and they sit on the other. No one talks. No, no I, I've never watched Eurovision with, with any of my parents. Are we going to do this story about the TV ad? No. Because it's which, terrible. Which one? Uh, uh, about the infidelity it's ad. It's a sentence. It's not even a story. Oh, no, go, oh actually, that one. Okay, yeah, go, yeah, on. That one. go on. Go on. That one. So, uh, there, there was an ad that ran uh, during Underbelly on Sunday night, which uh, you probably would have seen because more people watched Underbelly than watched Eurovision. I'm going to try to get Eurovision mm. into every <laughs> sentence now. Uh, so, the, uh, the ad that ran shows uh, two people... Uh, uh, in the throes of about to have sex, let's call dry that foreplay. Is that is that what it is? Ah, uh, they do get to a little bit of dry humping. Uh, it's 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 underpants on, but nothing else, uh, or oh. underwear on. So so bra, sexy lingerie, etc. Yeah. La 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 la. Uh, and what's she wearing? Hey! hey! <laughs> and uh, and the uh, a, a super comes up on the uh, on the screen and says these two people are married. And then another secret comes up and says, but not to each other. And then something along the lines of, if you would like to have sex with someone you're not married to, go to this website. So it was an ad for a website. For- so there's complaints about the ad. And, and so there were complaints to the Advertising Standards Bureau about the ad, saying that the ad was offensive. But the, but the complaints are not, you were saying about the nudity or the sex, they're actually about the concept the of ethics. adultery is that is that the right? It's, it's people are actually protesting. So there's there's not actually one of the anything seven deadly sins to to protest about with the ad itself. It, it is the ethics behind it, and society is to blame. So that's who that's who the advertising standards council are going to have to go and arrest society. Yes, the ACMA will send a nasty letter to yes, society. Yes, stop and it. W- what I liked most about uh, about this item is I, I found it in the Australian and uh, the Australian online. Had uh, had this news item that mentioned the website a number of times, but also had the ad that you could just play the ad uh, next to it, next to wow. the article. Damn. So so you could see the ad in full, and they mentioned the uh, the, the name of the, of the website. Must be so excited! I know they've done so well yeah. out of this. I'm also how many complaints was it? Maybe it was just company employees. Oh uh, well, oh. well let's uh, let's let's <laughs> let's go to. Uh, uh, spokeswoman for the Advertising Standards Bureau, uh, who said the commercial appeared to have caused significant levels of offence in the community. Quote, we've had about 20 complaints this morning. That's a good turnout for complaints. That's <laughs> a good quote. turnout as, as uh, like, meaning that's a lot. That's a lot. She's that's just excited the numbers are up. Yeah, but yeah. These, are, these are just phone calls. Yeah, they're, they're phone calls. It is odd, though, isn't it? That you're watching... Uh, underbelly, which is full of violence and sex, and 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 it is a show for adult audience. Mm. To then sort of, I don't know, it's odd. I'm for the ha- wowsers to be watching well, Underbelly fact, I, and, I'm and see it and, and go, oh no, I don't look that well, out. And I'm sure there's adultery in Underbelly, so you know, I'm fine with it as a fictional form, but as a fictional ad, it offends me. It's the uh, I, I think I, it's the deniers, uh, uh, people like married couples sitting at home. Trying to pretend like they don't have a problem within their relationship, uh, and then this ad has just brought to mind all the possibilities. Oh, it's terrible! Isn't it? Oh, I'm complaining in the morning. Yes. yes, yes, I'm complaining in the morning. Just as soon as I get home from going to the shops. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny he's gone to the shops for four hours. <laughs> hey, um, here's the comes, comes back smelling like someone else's vagina. <laughs> 
It's some exciting. See, see news. it was it was implied. You didn't you didn't oh. need the implication was there, right? Without the need to overtly then state the the thing. The implication was so. Pe- so people were expected to know just from the implication. I'm yeah. not sure why it had but to be the- him that came back smelling that. Because it would. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know what he's uh, like. <laughs> John Richards' sexism rears its ugly head again. In exciting news that uh, we've Can't been be more exciting for than a that. long time. <laughs> Channel, Channel 31 actually turned on their digital signal on Friday. Did they? Yes, they did. Oh, bless them. That's yes. actually a good news story. So if you've got a digital set-top box or a digital TV, any digital receiver... You can now get Channel 31. Uh, rescan your channels and Channel 31 should be there. Yeah, in Melbourne oh. and uh, in Sydney. Oh, that's and, like a present uh, for people in Melbourne, uh, is it? Not any digital receiver. Going? Digital cable receiver still won't get it. Well, Foxtel IQ won't get it because that's yeah, not very thanks good. Thanks for raining on our parade there, Joe. Yeah. It's a pitter-patter, drip, drip, drop. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I rain on your parade. Oh, yeah. Very final story. Yes. Germany won Eurovision. What? Oh, no, no, no. no. That can't be the final one. <laughs> okay, Brett's, Brett's got another one. Channel Nine, Channel Nine have, uh, have as part of their submission, looking to win the AFL rights coming up. Uh, apparently, announced that they for the uh, for the newfangled Monday night uh, games will be inserting virtual crowds when they don't uh, actually get enough crowds there to, to make the stadiums look like they're full. In, into the stadiums? Yes. So little so, fake so, electronic people in the stadiums, because if they weren't there... Fake pixels. We wouldn't be well, able well, to you know, watch we, it? We or? see games already amongst the lower-ranked uh, teams, especially interstate ones, where there's a lot of empty seats. So Channel 9 won't allow that to happen as part of their, uh, their pitch. Um, and uh, they'll just make them look like sellout games every single one. Well, the good thing is if you go into a computer while watching it and type XX314, moustaches appear on everyone. Oh, yeah, I like that. Back, uh, can, back circle square. Can, can I just point out that my infantile mind now is just going through all the all the things that we've had in this uh, in this news, other than the dead people. Uh, but we've had uh, infidelity, but also gone to uh, digital reception, and then crowd insertions, Yay. and mustaches. Hey, so is that it? Is that the implication thing? Is that how? Is that how you do it? Just end the segment. Is that how? You, and that is the box cutters news. <laughs> You're going weak, Allendale. The force is no longer with you. And the reason it's not with you, Alan, is because you're not on box cutters. Craig McLaughlin is. Which reminds me. uh, (laughs) (laughs) How? Well. Hey, it's Craig McLaughlin pretending to be Darth Vader. Hey, that reminds me. Allendale was in Lost. Charles Woodmill. Uh, and the Lost finale was uh, last week. Yes. So, so this was, look, my thing, because I, I said I wasn't going to watch Lost at all until we got to the very end, and I could go to Joshua and say, Josh. So, John, you can't listen, because this is all going to be spoiler. Oh, no, 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 it's wait, not. But I want to say, Josh, how did you feel about the end of Lost? I absolutely loved the, the end of Lost. I got quite weepy. And, did uh, I oh, did. Oh, yeah, it was all I very weepy. I got, I got really, really emotional and thought it was a, a fantastic episode that really wrapped up everything together uh, and had, uh, had had some really nice touches to it. Nothing seemed wasted. Uh, and were were I, I'm things really resolved? Were, were all the mysteries that you wanted enough, resolved? 
Enough for me. I mean, I, I believe. What was the island, Josh? I believe it's the island. It was a magical island. I believe the uh, the uh, uh. in good storytelling, there are things that just need to be left unsaid. So, uh, so there are some things where where you just go, okay, that's what that was. I'll just have to accept that. So, it, because of the way Lost had its story told, because it uh, jumped around in time and uh, and. Uh, was pretty much all over the place in the storytelling, kind of like uh, uh, Pulp Fiction or, or Reservoir Dogs in in the way that that or Memento. Well, well, no, Memento's chronological, but backwards. Uh, but you know, Reservoir Dogs kind of jumps back and forth, back mm-hmm. and forth, back and forth. Uh, in that, we're not presented with the things that we have to uh, accept for suspension of disbelief right up front. We uh, discover the things that we're expected to suspend disbelief for right at the end. I thought it was a really interesting way to tell a story. I thought the whole thing came together really nicely. And uh, I'm I'm very impressed. I, I continue to be very impressed. And every time I think about it, I just smile a little bit about how good it was as a finale. So I did receive a, a very abusive text message from someone. Not to me, but to Lost. Uh, in fact, and I shall read the entirety of the text message I got. It was, fuck you, Lost. Uh, but that person then later on texted me again, go, no, I've changed my mind. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was interesting. They were very angry and then not so Well, I had, a, I had a similar thing where I, because uh, I, uh, I, of course, managed to, uh, from this studio, fly to the US, watch the final episode, fly back in time for work the next morning. Yeah, that's what did you get my to friend that was doing too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah I did. Yeah. I did. That's why I was rushing towards the end of last yes. episode, yeah. if, if you'll hear correctly. Uh, and uh, and then uh, on Wednesday night when they edit on Channel 7, uh, Riley Boxcutter called me at about uh, 20 to 12. Uh, so I was all tucked up in bed. 10 minutes after they finished? 10 minutes after it finished. Very angry. We talked for 50 minutes, and I think at the end of it, he's, he has actually come around uh, and, uh, and now quite, quite enjoys it. And that, I think, also makes for a really good ending. If they had just given us all of the answers and gone, here you go, answers on a platter, enjoy it, uh, we would have gone, oh, well, now I feel a little bit empty. But an ending that you have to think about, an ending that actually cha- challenges you, much like the entire series challenge the audience. So it does worry I me think that fits in. This is kind of what the defense on the Battlestar Galactica ending mm-hmm. is, and that's just terrible. Well, whereas this... I mean, I, I haven't seen the Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. ending, but from your descriptions of it, no, that was... Uh, well, it wasn't that we thought it was going to end six episodes ago, and then it didn't well, end it's all just kind of... It's angels and stuff. Hooray! That seemed to be about the end. Yeah, see, <laughs> yeah. and that... Uh, this is very clearly the ending that they had in mind from from the start. This was this was an excellent experiment in uh, broadcast storytelling, which uh, we haven't really seen anything like this in a very long time. In fact, I, I'm really struggling to remember a TV series that had this many episodes that had an ongoing storyline that always had a conclusion that it was working towards. And it's just for housewives. And it's very clear. <laughs> uh, it's it's very clear from watching the ending that they had this in mind, and uh, and even if they didn't have it in mind, then they are much better storytellers than they're giving themselves credit for because it really felt like it. It, it is a single cohesive piece of of television. I think you should watch it, John. 
I, uh, I I think you should you should sit down, watch it, and every time you think something is just too incredible to to accept, know that a few episodes down the track there is probably going to be an answer for it. Which is, I think, why a lot of people stopped watching Lost along the way because every now and then, I, I remember uh, there was a van, uh, a van appeared on the island, uh, and a friend of mine went, "No, nah, there's a there's a there's a Volkswagen van on the island. That's just ridiculous. That's one step too far. I'm not watching." And then she stopped watching. Uh, but no, you take that one little thing and you go, "There's a van on the island. I wonder how that got there," and then just enjoy the ride. It's great. This is Alistair Farrell from Channel 7's Highway Patrol. Can I see your broadcast licence, thanks? You're listening to Box Cutters. Joining us now on the phone from regional Victoria, James Talia. Hello there. Welcome back to Box Cutters. Oh, it's been a while. Thank you for having me again. It, it, it has been a long, long while. I think last time we, uh, we wanted to have you on, you, uh, you, you ended up in France. Yeah, that happens. Um, not as often as I'd like. What can I tell you? Didn't, wasn't the last time the time that James faked his own death? Uh, <laughs> yes. It was a whole, like, a Sherlock Holmes thing going on there. Who <laughs> oh. shot JR? Oh, you, you fell over the waterfall, but then found a little ledge in the waterfall to hide while yeah. Moriarty went all the way down. That was the one. Oh, yeah. good ah. like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm impressed. Uh, spoiler. Oh, sorry. Oh, whoops. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, James, big few weeks in, in news. Uh, firstly, I... Last week we had a, a Ray Watch about uh, about Channel Seven and uh, the article they did on the uh, New South Wales politician who uh, their their story was used a, a government car to go to a, a sex club, which was a, a sex on site uh, premises thing where men men go to to have sex with other men. Uh, you want me to help you out there, Josh? No, no, I'm fine digging my own hole. Thank no, you I, very I much. thought you did quite well there. Yeah? Actually, I think you did better than most of the news reporting, which was going like a you know magic gay orgy club. It's and just a, it's just sex on site premises. Yeah, yeah, he probably spent most of it drinking orange juice and crying. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've heard. It's just yes. My, my friends tell me it's not as interesting as it might sound. Uh, and uh, and of course, last week's media watch, which followed the recording of our show, so we clearly preempted that. Just uh, bear that in mind, Lynn Buckfield. Uh, the uh, last week's media watch uh, featured it quite heavily and, and discussed it at length. But what I want to know. Uh, and and you're in a much better position to to tell us uh, than I am to just make it up, is in in a situation like this where a newsroom really does get it so wrong, like they they think they've got a great story, it ends up being uh, not a great story, they get called on it and uh, and are essentially made fools of and and made to look like fools. Is there any point where a newsroom or a news director will apologise for having run a story? Well, not publicly, no. And I think I think you're making the wrong assumption there that that they would have suddenly thought, oh, that was such a bad story. Why did we do it? We really made a mistake there. I don't think they would have thought that at all. And in fact, it's very rare for newsrooms to, off the back of a story, think, gee, I, I wish we hadn't done that that way. Um, and and I'm quite sure that that that's not what they would be thinking. They would be thinking um, they had a good scoop. They claimed a ministerial scalp, and all the naysayers are just soft. 
But James, the, the, the thing they claimed was that it wasn't a, a, a gay witch hunt, but it was about a man inappropriately using government resources. That was proved to be completely untrue. There's nothing in, in the rules about him using his car in the way Part he of did. His salary package was that he had free use of yeah. the vehicle outside of ours. So, I mean, was that the news team actually lying about the purposes of the story or like, trying to cover their, themselves? Like, what, I mean, was the gay witch hunt really what the story was always about? Well, I think um, no. I, I think perhaps it's, it's broader than that. It's it's too easy to portray it as being a gay witch hunt. What you've got here is um, a transport minister who's deemed to be not a very good transport minister in a government which is widely deemed to be not very good. And they were, they, I think, they were after a ministerial scalp, and they got one. Um, I know Media Watch went hard at the angle that the uh, the allegations about the misuse of the government car weren't correct. Um, but this is one of those rare cases where uh, Media Watch was backed up in a lot of other media commentary. Um, you know, Media Watch is on every week and they have a crack at people and that's fine, that's what they do. But it's rare that you'll read comment pieces widely across other media outlets that really call into question what a fellow media outlet has done, if you like. And that was certainly the case um, in this particular example. And maybe that says something. Is it the job, though, of, uh, of news reporters to get people out of government? I mean, that's, you're saying that they, they claimed a, a ministerial scalp, uh, which is quite, uh, quite an offensive uh, path to take. Like, you know, if, if it was a game and it's media versus government, uh, you know, chalk one up for, for media. Is that... No, I, I don't think it's the sole aim of media organisations to claim a government scalp as though it's a game. Um, but I think you have to take into account the atmosphere in New South Wales at the moment. I, I, I'd rather asking, not, I, personally. Sorry? I'd rather not. Well, yeah, but you have to if you're <laughs> going to talk about this. Um, I spoke in the past couple of days to a friend who has worked in politics who is from Melbourne but is currently working in Sydney who compared the atmosphere in Sydney, both media-wise and with what you hear in boardrooms and what you hear from people on the street, that it is poisonous towards the New South Wales government. And he compared it to the uh, absolute almost hatred that there was for the Kerner government in Victoria back in 1992, which was crumbling, had been for some years, before Jeff Kennett was elected. Now, if it's reached that level then you have to take into account the public feeling in the particular city and the particular state where uh, those stories are being reported. And it comes from a basis of, this is a bad government, everyone thinks so, so the gloves are off a little more than if you were just um, reporting on uh, a normal government where opinions were split or if indeed opinion favoured the government. It It becomes this sort of hothouse atmosphere of, this government's on the nose, so just go. So, so why do they need to play the man rather than the ball? Why, why do they have to dig up something out of his out of his personal life rather than just saying this guy's a shit ass transport minister? And that's actually something that I read uh, Brett written in the Sydney Morning Herald over the weekend. I think it was the Herald that uh, this government is so bad that if you can't find if you can't trawl through everything they're doing and find sufficient fault yeah. in his performance as a minister regardless of his private life then you're just not trying hard enough mm-hmm. so it's 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 not it's it's not great journalism either way 
But you, you would also think that if if the situation in, in New South Wales is so bad and the government is so bad that uh, the leader of the opposition in New South Wales might pick up the phone to speak to a television box uh, podcast about uh, about watching television in 3D? Would you, would you think that, James? You know, <laughs> well, just, think, just, just just to save think, some face and, uh, and look a little uh, nice in, uh, with the I public? Think, I think you'll find, Josh, that that's what opposition leaders do as a rule anyway. Anyone who wants to talk to them, they will talk to in the hope of uh, getting through to whatever constituency they can, um, whether it's a constituency that's likely to vote their way, whether it's small or large, that's what opposition leaders do. Um, that becomes particularly heightened in a situation uh, as you have in New South Wales now where, as I say, there's a government seemingly very much on the nose. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly what I, I would have thought, so thanks for, thanks for clarifying that. On to, uh, uh, on to other news uh, recently. We, we've had uh, terrible things going on in Thailand uh, where uh, a, a group of protesters were fired upon and in amongst the, the protesters were a number of journalists. Now, your stablemate, Brett McLeod, was, uh, was there... Uh, and and reporting is he still a, a stable mate? He's he's still at nine. Yeah, he is still at nine. Because I and I heard him doing reports in, for the ABC as well. No, no, not at all. He was in Bangkok for nine, and uh, yeah, you're right. In 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 amongst the indiscriminate sh- shooting at protesters by the Thai army, there was uh, not much heed paid to uh, those among the members of the international press who were there as well. And uh, and and I mean, this is this is a. a above and beyond uh, what we've seen, uh, anything like that recently. I mean, the, the, uh, a government firing on protesters brings to mind, for me, 1989 in China. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it does happen. It often happens, sadly, in conflicts that we don't know much about and don't hear much about. Obviously, um, the tanks rolling into Tiananmen Square in 1989 is the standout example because it had such prominence, but... Unfortunately, I think it might happen more than you or I may realise or pay particular attention to. But certainly when it comes to the point, as it did um, on that Wednesday in Bangkok, where you have uh, a country's army opening fire on that country's people in the capital, then to state the obvious, things have ramped up somewhat to a pretty uncomfortable and unfortunate level. In a in a situation like that, and in a situation where that is a, a possibility, I know that uh, Brett McLeod was in amongst the the protesters when the firing started happening, and and he was uh, actually on the phone to Richard Stubbs for uh, local radio Melbourne uh, for ABC. It's like do- double punishment. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. As if as if being on with Stubbsy isn't enough, he's uh, he's he's in amongst the protesters. They start get, getting shot at. Are there uh, are there guidelines uh, as far as how to keep yourself safe, and uh, are there limits to what a journalist should and shouldn't do in a in a situation like that? Guidelines, yeah, run. <laughs> Don't get shot. No, no, but but like, should should he have been in the uh, in, in that uh, direct vicinity in the first place, or should he have been? Uh, like they showed on Media Watch in a car park somewhere. <laughs> I mean, there's. Well, but that's that's where the story was. Where else are you going to be? You've been sent there by your organisation. They're spending a lot of money to have you there. There is a genuine and important story to tell. Um, th- these are the decisions that news gathering people make 
all the time. You, you have to put yourself in harm's way to gather the story. And most of the time, they do. I'm not saying they're happy about it, but they... Uh, you know, I don't want I don't want to get wanky about it, but they they see it as a duty. You, you're, you're sent there to report that story. You have to report that story, and if that means that you have to be where the protesters are as the army comes towards you, then that's the judgment you've made in the best interest of the story. And that's what wins awards. Well, it can do. I I, I hate to think that there are many journalists or news gatherers who would say I'm going to go over there to where I might get shot so that I can win a war. Oh, no, 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 I, I wouldn't I really... imagine that but, but when, when that does happen that, that, that does tend to be the case that, that that'll be the Walkley or, or whatever you know. I think it's fair to say that that kind of thing is generally eye-catching for judging panels yes that's right Brett. But, but it, was, it was also some of the best reporting I've, uh, I've witnessed in, in a long time since the, uh, since the uh, Black Saturday uh, fires in, in well, and and clearly I'm biased, but I thought that Brett did uh, the best reporting of any of the Australians, certainly from TV, who were there. He was in amongst it. Um, it almost cost him dearly. Uh, it certainly shook him up plenty, as you would expect, uh, when uh, someone else not ten metres away from him was shot in the head. Um, but these are the things you do, and, uh, you know, there, there's a price you pay for that, there's no doubt. Even if you do come out unscathed, there's a price you pay for seeing that kind of thing and then having to run from an approaching army. But sometimes that's the way it goes. And that's, I, I suppose that's, uh, that, that is where, because I was thinking, well, he could have been 50 metres away uh, behind a wall and, uh, and done that on the other side of this wall reporting. Uh, yeah. But but it wouldn't have been as good. It wouldn't have been as true to the story, and he wouldn't have been as close to the people who were the subject. No, that's true. But also, I have to say that from having spoken to Brett and and you know we're good mates, I I don't think he went into that situation thinking right today's the day they're going to open fire on mm. these guys, so I'll stand next to them. I don't think there was any element of that. You, you, you pick your spots. He deemed that the best place to be was where the protesters were to um, try to get some of the feeling from them about moves to shift them out of their encampment. Um, others chose to do that behind-the-wall reporting, as you describe it, Josh, and, and others moved with the army front line as they approached those protesters. That's all a very much... Um, a judgment call on the day or even sometimes in the minute and i won't criticize anyone for uh whichever decision they make in those circumstances the fact is that from where brett chose to be that day uh i think he got the best material and and therefore it was the most outstanding reporting and i think we've also discovered why i could never be a a great journalist because i like i don't like to go to caroline springs that's that's too dangerous <laughs> for me. James. Well, then, yeah, you would be a terrible reporter, much less on the uh, on the uh, gunfire ravaged streets of Bangkok. James. Yeah, yeah. H- hardest thing I ever had to do was sit in a hotel room with Yahoo Serious. I, uh, yeah, no, 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 no. I'd much rather get shot at. <laughs> now, James, given given Brett's uh, experience over there, what what's happened for him since then? Is, is did Channel Nine have you know post traumatic counselor type setup or? Is, is he just expected to keep on uh, kind of maybe being in these situations again as, as things kind of ramp up? D- does he come back to the office and they just have a, a banner up in the newsroom that says, suck it up, McLeod? <laughs> well, no, no, it's not quite like that. Um, I'm gonna, and, and let me get sanctimonious for a second and say that, you know, it's not 
entirely a joking matter. Um, no, not at all. Uh, I mean, we, we all, all networks, all news organisations in the modern day have mechanisms in place whereby if you want to go and see someone, you can, um, and you can do it anonymously as far as the network or the news organisation goes, and they pay for it. So they don't know what they're paying for or for whom, but they they pay it. Um, so it's good that 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 facility is there obviously there are occasions that arise where people need to do that um but really beyond that as long as as long as that option is open to you um after that it's really up to you as the individual as to whether or not you you want to go down that path is he okay i think he's okay yeah seen some things that's good now james just been around a long time uh, j- just lastly, you're in Marupna at, at the moment, uh, reporting on uh, on, on some uh, very sad incident that, that uh, happened there at the weekend. Uh, but you know, and and yes, we don't like to make light of these things. But there is a a policeman involved in that situation named Peter Gunn. Yes, <laughs> there is. Yes, uh, when when he gets introduced to uh, to to to. A, 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 a doorstop or something like that. Do you have to stop from snickering? Yes, no, he comes with his own theme music. Yeah. He generally has a probationary constable walking behind him with, a like, a ghetto blaster. Oh, I would love that if that was actually the case. That would be yeah. fantastic. By the way, listeners weren't aware earlier, but we do have the Blues Brothers band <laughs> in the studio with us. Outstanding. You guys have really stepped up a notch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've got we've got uh, opposition leaders not calling us. We've got fake bands. It's it's all go at box. Oh yeah, <laughs> we, we do have journos. <laughs> Jace Howie, thank you so much for calling us uh, and uh, uh, and talking about recent media events. Uh, that's my pleasure. By the way, can, uh, while we're talking about recent media events, you know, I resisted gamely. I had a girlfriend next to me on the couch. I flicked the channel to Eurovision. Well, what a sad mistake that was. <laughs> <laughs> you were stuck. That was it. I mean, apart from the fact that Armenia, or was it Azerbaijan, was robbed because the chicks were smoking hot. Um, you know, Germany, really not that good. Oh, you you hush your mouth, Talia. No, 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 no. That, that was nonsense. But outside of that, forget who won and lost. Is that not some of the worst TV production you've seen in a long time? Oh, well, hang on, hang on. If we're going to get into this, I have to say, that wall of lights was extraordinary. That light wall was just fantastic. As how, about the sh- how about the shimmering f- uh, flags? Oh, no, that was terrible. <laughs> it, was it, was, it was weird. It was at, at one point, I, I saw a shot that was sideways, like it's countdown. <laughs> <laughs> they did seem to go for this very old school, we're not going to do anything that will be embarrassing artistically. Uh, compared to like Russia d- did uh, representation of different countries in a supermodel's head last year. Oh, I was yes. happy with that. Yeah, that was, and it was sad we didn't have any of that complete insanity <laughs> going on. <laughs> yeah, instead we just had absolute rubbish. Well, you know, Norway only have four uh, percent of their uh, of their uh, savings to spend on uh, on on local issues in any one year. Oh, is that right? Uh, so maybe, maybe the, you know, an extra one percent would have uh, 
would have sparked that up. I think well, they maybe. did get every well, single well, boom camera. I mean, you know, that's a matter for the Norwegians, really, isn't it? So they mm. should, you know, they're, they're not properly using their eight cents a day, <laughs> the, you know, NBC, as I assume they are. Um, but uh, <laughs> we had the, uh, the usual rubbish commentary from the uh, SBS pods as well. So oh, oh you shush your mouth. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, really, come on. Except for there was only one standout call, Sam Pang, that the bloke hosting was Norwegian Josh Thomas. Yeah, the Norwegian Josh yeah. Thomas was... I thought that, Sam that was Pang the, was brilliant last I, I also like. I also liked their, uh, their comment of white is the colour of power. Nah. That they then Black. very quickly fixed, <laughs> Re- realising how horribly racist it was. <laughs> yeah, see, but that's... You don't want the commentators who are meant to be there taking the piss ending up making the same kind of cultural faux pas for which Eurovision is famous or infamous year in, year out. That's just not good enough. No, no, but it did It did bring to mind that uh, that, that wonderful uh, line from the last World Cup in uh, in Germany where one of the... Uh, uh, one of the announcers said, and we'll return in a mere matter of minutes to see who will rally at Nuremberg. <laughs> oh. <laughs> see, that's gold. <laughs> and it's uh, so bad, it's good. That's in that category. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a little bit genius. I did actually fall off the couch and then have oh, to start texting right, everyone. Right. Anyway, Eurovision, that's my two cents. Well, thanks, thanks for putting it in, James. Anytime. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I, I'm glad said, I got that off my chest. I feel like a whole new woman. the actress to the vicar. Yeah. Oh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll speak to you shortly. Thanks, guys. Thanks, James. Hello, I'm Courtney Hocking. If you want to hear about sports and cars... No, that's the wrong show! Oh, television, then uh, listen to Box Cutters. It's pretty great. Thanks, Courtney. Thanks. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that ID fails the Bechdel test. Yeah. Because it it's uh, it's only one woman. Yeah. Well, let's go back one step. Um, the Bechdel test uh, we we mentioned quite a lot in two thousand and eight. Sure. It's been yeah, it's been a long a time or so since we've yeah. It's been quite a while. I know because Cropley loves the Bechdel test. And he wants us to talk about it more often. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, because uh, I I, 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 I <laughs> my mind is, has lit. Upon the Bechdel test and 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 what it is and and what its uh, its point may be, uh, a number of times since we did speak about it and and seem to be tracking the scoreboard on Bechdel. Well, we, we we did for a bit, Dells. and we kind of yeah, we kind of never mentioned it again. I mean, the idea of the Bechdel it's, test, it's the number of Bechdels in any one in any one show. Yeah, yeah. No, the, the Bechdel test, it's yeah, it's a bit of an experiment basically to to, to point out the inherent sexism in virtually everything. Um, but it is kind of interesting. It's named after Alison Bechdel. But is it's, there a point? There is a point because it's kind of interesting. I think what just so you can go. These fail. Yeah, look at that. That's sexist. Yeah, look at that. That's sexist. Well, like, like, it, and 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 this is, I think, where the core of of my my dissatisfaction with it comes mm-hmm. is that uh, January fifth, two thousand and nine. Just it's just about pointing at stuff and saying eh, that's sexist. If but there was, if there was actually demand amongst the amongst the viewers of films and TV, then people would be creating content that would satisfy the Bechdel test. Well, that's no, not no, what no. audiences the, want. I think. The, I think the can, problem. Can we I think the what problem. it is for the listeners who haven't actually heard it since January two thousand and nine when we last mentioned. <laughs> sure, um, Bechdel test is named after Alison Bechdel, who is a the creator of the the comic strip Dykes to Watch Out For, and is based on one of uh, this is all sort of stuff that all came in bits afterwards. We first heard about it through Harvey uh, Grillo Marks Watch. 
Uh, and it's based on one of the strips. The way we're, we've been interpreted as people have been is there are three things a show must have to pass the Bechdel test. It A, it must have at least two female characters. Uh, those characters B, must talk to each other and see about something other than a man. We're defining man here more as a relationship. For example, if two women were talking about uh, not shooting the president, that would be acceptable, I think. But, but also the, the L word fails. The L word only, only fails mostly if, it, yeah, if, you, if you boil that down to a relationship. The, the reason we bring it up is because it was kind of interesting to look at shows like The West Wing and realize that even though they were packed full of interesting female characters, they were still kind of failing because often they wouldn't put the characters together. Well, it, and the interesting thing is, though, because I think the bar's at the wrong level. No, but why, I, but why I, are you asking this, Brett? Because because if I said two men, like no show would fail the Bechdel test if it was about men. Every show has two men. No, talking but things to are based on reality. No, but and, and women, this is women if you're talking about the West Wing. Then, then the and reality this is the, of the, this is the problem. The problem isn't that the shows themselves are sexist, and I don't think that's that's what we're saying. But that uh, the shows are. Uh, a reflection of a society that doesn't think that this is a strange thing. So so we use the Bechdel test to see whether or not shows are moving our uh, assumptions of women forward or if they're stagnating them. Because also one of the reasons it's... Not necessarily that they have inherent racism. The interesting thing oh, is, sexism, whatever that is. This, because this, this week's are. episode of, of Doctor Who, Cold Blood, had five... Incredibly important female characters, including the antagonist in it. And yet, weirdly, there was no scene where any women were allowed to talk to each other. And it was just really odd that while there were scenes with men discussing things and there were scenes with men discussing things with women, it seems like there's this weird fear amongst scriptwriters to have a scene in which two women are allowed to actually discuss a plot Is it? Or is it together. just that, that people don't think about it? See... No, I, th- I think they're does, worried because what think, if their periods think, get in sync? Well, does, does your think, show pass it? No, because we only have one female character. We fail. Except for episode uh, three. But yeah, the show only has one female character. So, it does so fail. you're thinking about it. I, I, I don't think that, that 98% of scriptwriters are thinking about it. And that's the, pro- and the, that's the problem. No, but the problem isn't that they're not thinking Why about it. Why is it the a problem? Be- Why do they need to? But, well, because if, if women in real life do talk to each other. This is what I don't understand when you're saying, but it's, but women, it's like real life. Women watch. in real life. We do clearly, talk to each other. It's quite normal enough, for that to happen in real life. And yet on television, it's really abnormal. Demand from women for stuff that does pass the Bechdel test. Otherwise, there would be people producing content that pass the Bechdel test. Oh, no, I think, I think your, your, your argument is backwards. Mm. I think the, the problem is that as a society, we don't think it's abnormal that we don't see two women in a room talking about something other than a relationship. And and it should be because that happens in real life all the time. But weirdly, I think it happens backwards. I think scriptwriters get terrified to have two women characters. I th- I actually honestly think the scriptwriters are sitting down and going, "Oh, hang on, I've got two women talking to each other. Oh, I can't have that. I better change it to a man." Really? Yeah, I honestly oh, think there's that's, this that's fear terribly of, conspiracy theorist. No, but I think it's not conspiracy theorist. I think there's a weird kind of belief you can't do it. It seems very odd in this episode of Doctor Who, for example, that there is no element in which, you know. The antagonist, one of the protagonists, who should be talking to each other, aren't. It just seems really odd. So, what in what the, are the UK, shows- don't you have an entire generation of scriptwriters that, that grew up on sixties, seventies, eighties Doctor Who, and and that's how you write Doctor Who? Well, I'm saying it's odd to have that number of female characters in a show, and somehow, bizarrely, through the laws of of just averages, you think you'd end up with a scene with two women talking to each other. Yeah, Doctor Who uh, ne- never had that many women. 
in sort of in one, one story was quite unlikely. Yeah, so, sometimes the brigadier wore a little petticoat. But we should put out immediately two of those women were uh, two of those characters are being played by the same woman. So that kind of does possibly, you know, cause some trouble there. Um, but so yeah, we were just going to very quickly through the scripted shows that have turned up on the show on Box Cutters this, this year. I was just going to have a quick zip through to see if any of them do. So from the top, and I'm going to mispronounce it. Is it Treme? Treme. Treme. Well, obviously the lead character's a woman. Treme. <laughs> um, are, are there two women in Treme? Uh, yes. There's there's a scene where. See, there's a scene where two women are talking about uh, about finding uh, someone's brother who has been imprisoned and is lost, but they're not talking about a, a relationship. They're talking about uh, a goal, an aim. Okay, yeah, part uh, of the actual uh, plot. So, yeah, as such. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think that probably does pass. Okay, we get to uh, lowdown. I think lowdown's only got uh, lowdown does not pass it. What, what if you accept uh, his photographer as, as a lady? Lowdown does not pass it. <laughs> uh, justified. I didn't remember Justified had two women who I couldn't tell apart and never were allowed this in, in Yeah, yeah, in they, the never appeared, they never appeared together because they look too similar. Okay. Uh, dead Gorgeous. I'm thinking should uh, Dead Gorgeous, yeah. Dead Gorgeous passes. That was, that was the kids show, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like, yep. uh, lost. Uh, lost does pass. Does it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Juliet and uh, Son. Uh, th- th- this one, I think, is, is is reasonable to fail. The Pacific, that's actually about a war full of men. So I don't think it passes, but I think that's kind of understandable. Oh, like, that, that that gets a buy. Historically think, yeah. accurate. Historically accurate, we'll put there. Uh, Spartacus, Blood and Sand. I, I can't remember if anyone talks to anyone about anything in that, actually. It's just, here are my tits. Let's no, die. No, they do. They do. The uh, the rich lady and uh, and Zena <laughs> talk about uh, not having babies. Uh, it's not about the men. I I actually don't think that Spartacus Blood and Sand passes anything. Yeah, I I I I, I, I think I'm, I think it passes Blood and Sand and should therefore see its doctor. I'm going to write. So, not, so, I'm going to so, write not applicable. So, next doesn't that doesn't that add to my argument? Well, if, if, if no, Spartacus Blood and Sand because they talk about about not having babies that that can pass the Bechdel test, but it's so outrageously. Well, I think we're saying Spikers Blood and Sand isn't really about humans, is it? If kind not of, misogynist. Yeah, it's kind of such a weird... But it, but it exploits everyone. It's a, I, I still think it's a not-applicable show, quite possibly. Uh, kids in the Hall, Death Comes to Town. Well, you've got men dressed as women. But let's assume that they're female characters. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm fudging here, but let's assume they're female characters. We presumably do get scenes with, with women together. The Weatherwoman characters, yeah, certainly. Yeah, but they're... But they're uh, she discusses a, work a with her boss, there, yeah, doesn't she? Yeah. Well, work work yes. with the uh, the other main reporter. Let's that's known as, with as, the woman as possible. Uh, Sesame Street. Yes. Yep. Archer. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> the League. No. This was no. A, this was for our period of looking at shows about men. So it really help. Uh, men of a certain age. No. Uh, no. Uh, East West One and One. No. Ah. Uh, Yes. Okay, now that that's kind of the main ones we've covered this year. Now, the interesting point, Mr. Cropley, look, mm-hmm. the interesting point. 
Is we have really a number Is of ticks. <laughs> There's actually a surprising number of ticks, which we could take to mean that television is getting better. A number of ticks. Sorry. A number, of, a number of, of, of yeses. Yeses, yes. you know. So, uh, so it, could, it could mean that as a society we are moving forwards uh, to a better understanding. Maybe. But it's, it's such an obscure little scoreboard. <laughs> what do you think of the uh, Bechdel test? Let us know. Hooray at boxcutters.net. Hi, this is television Scott Brennan. Apparently there's no N in box cutter. This is the box cutters. John, you've been uh, wanting to talk about this for, for some weeks now. Well, uh, yeah, and then I was, I was in the mind so box. Can, yeah, you're in I the mind box. I was in the sweet mystery mind box. Uh, but the uh, BBC coverage of the UK election. Yeah, we're, we're just going to cut down. For, I originally was going to talk because it was going to be a bit more, you know, a bit more current the first time. Um, I do love an election campaign. I do, I do love a bit of politics. Mm-hmm. It's like sport, but interesting, and the results matter. And. <laughs> And uh, and so I, I, I often end up watching them, and I just put there, there are many who would argue that the results <laughs> do not matter. So I went to watch the um, a bit of the the BBC one when it was streaming, and just got obsessed with it because no one does insane uh, election coverage like the BBC. What about CNN with their fake? With, with the holograms, the holograms. but when they do things like the holograms, they do it in a slightly self-conscious kind of look at what we're trying out. The BBC just does it like it's normal, but it patently isn't. Um, this one, for example, there was a lovely section where they were showing a CGI map of the flagstones to victory. Um, <laughs> that basically, for every seat the Conservatives won, it was a, a, a cobblestone that would form this path to a CGI number ten front door, which the man demonstrated and went through it. And it it, it's, it's like he will he will reach the step. He will step onto the step. So is the, he green screen? He's green screened into it. Yeah, the, the, the door steps. will open. He'll go inside. <laughs> and the other great thing too is all the CGI stuff they did that that uh, in this coverage was handheld. So it was all like someone green screened into a CGI background, but handheld. Which, if you think about it, live handheld CGI compositing is actually that's incredibly impressive. It's, well, it's just X Y Z. Uh, tracking on where the camera's but, at. But getting it all to, you know, to work. I mean, you know, years ago, even 10 years ago, you wouldn't have been able to do it. Like, it's quite a, a sort of a technical achievement, even though it's completely pointless. And so you have all this, like, fascinating stuff where there had been the swingometer, which was represented as a kind oh, of... Oh, that's been a long uh, mainstay uh, of But he was UK. inside uh, sorry, it. Uh, like Pete, it. Like it was, like, rollerball. No, no, he was walking around with this... Like, he was inside a huge roulette wheel. And these... these People <laughs> are complaining about ads for the swingometer during <laughs> Underbelly. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and, and so he'd be there going, you know, and uh, if this happens, it's like, I'll have to run for my life. No, it was just um, it was just this bizarre stuff going on. But the, I, I, the, I love the, the introduction to, to the coverage minutes before polls close. And it's like it's like it's a parody of, of itself. Like we've seen this this parody on Not the Nine O'clock News. This and, sort of huge and music. And, and, I'll, and I'll be up here hitting politicians on the head. Oh, yes. It was a multi-story set. It looked like a spaceship. And then something, uh, I'm in the largest television studio. And then there was some terrible qualifier, like, you know, in southern England or something like that. It was um, <laughs> In half of a smear. And uh, David Dimbleby was hosted. He seemed to be just taking the piss out of the whole thing, as they often do. However, the bit I wanted to mention specifically was was the boat because this was quite famous um, there was a lot of complaints in the UK about the fact the BBC spent £30,000 on the boat section of their coverage and a lot of people were very angry this was a waste of money uh, 
So as well as the studio, which had two or three separate sections, as well as all the live people, they would occasionally cross to the boat. Now, we have the introduction from the very beginning of the night for how the boat was going to work and what it was. And by the London Eye, with a spectacular view across the Thames to the Palace of Westminster, Andrew Neil will be talking to some familiar faces. Yes, throughout the night I'm going to be talking to an eclectic mix of opinion formers and celebrities, including Piers Morgan, Simon Shammer, Ian Hislop, Bruce Forsyth, Joan Collins, Ben Kingsley, and maybe, just maybe, a few surprises. Now, the thing I like most yeah, there no, is the idea of going, <laughs> uh, our political coverage will include Joan Collins and maybe some surprises. <laughs> <laughs> Because Joan Collins is the obvious choice. But what I quite like, and when I, I missed that bit originally, and I tuned in, and, and when I first saw him on the boat, I think he was sort of Piers Morgan, who's a publisher. And, and so when, when they went back to the boat, the next time I saw it, and he went, uh, and back on the boat. Yes, I'm back on the boat with Al Murray, pub landlord, and Bill Wyman. <laughs> And I thought, we've, we've gone to a strange parallel world. And <laughs> that is a surprise. So people were complaining about this, going, you know, what's all this nonsense with the boat? And yet, my feeling was, people were saying, you know, having ill-informed idiots talking about politics. I'm going, well, that's, that's what an election is. <laughs> that's the people who are voting. That's actually democracy. We all get a go. So somehow having a boat full of completely unqualified people talking felt like the most democratic thing you could possibly do. Uh, but voting is not compulsory in, in the UK. Did, no. Well, it, was it, it, it's also very difficult, I've discovered. It happens like on a Thursday at 3am and you have to know <laughs> someone and it, it just seems stupidly there's, complicated. There's a password. You've got to knock yeah. on the door. Uh, was there a requirement for people giving their opinion on the boat on the BBC to have voted that day? I don't. I do not believe so. No. And in fact, one of them was a, an old game show host who used his segment to try and get people to shout his catchphrase at him. Uh, <laughs> which, Dial Evans? Uh, no, it was a uh, uh, Bruce Forsyth. Uh, lovely to see you. To see you, nice. Um, <laughs> you see, that's the first time I've ever heard his name pronounced that way. It's yeah, Bruce Forsyth. I think it's that was never just, been Forsyth. I think that was just crazy BBC reporting talking, like you know, a homosexual because it's made from chickpeas or something. I, but the the whole <laughs> thing was was I really was uh, totally embracing this insane boat concept and i would love to see the abc bring that in if um yeah for the next election we probably can't afford to have the glittering thirty thousand pound boat on the thames we could maybe have a, a bus or something you know a mini bus in the car park and you could cut to that and uh or maybe it could be route- alf from home and away <laughs> an old route master bus the double decker with the open door at the but back. here though getting one here oh the party bus that's what oh, in australia they will go to exhibition street on the party bus <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm intrigued though because there's uh, now on this YouTube clip there's uh, one minute thirty to go before the polls close and there's a woman in a white jacket holding some papers and I want to know what she's going to do with them. Oh, she's actually quite straightforward. But there was another woman who um did come out who had a uh, this sort of enormous iPad style thing to show you swings on. Which was presumably all controlled from some... I can just go to the park and see them. <laughs> she, she, she presumably... Presumably someone in, in the control booth, assuming pressed buttons to make that work. But she had to pretend that she was pressing the buttons on it. Aww. Nothing would happen until she pretended to press a button. Because, you know, kids, they don't understand it unless it's on an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> and this was the biggest iPhone in the world. But he's sure... <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't actually a touchscreen? I'm not sure at all. No, knowing the BBC, maybe it was. You have no idea. And maybe those opening credits really were powered by magic. We just don't know. Uh, It it was a really fascinating coverage. 
partly because of insanity. Jeremy Paxman was on this upstairs section where he would just be unbelievably rude to people, which is also hilarious. We should have more of that going here. Here's a minister. You thought you were going to win. You didn't, did you? Ha! <laughs> How do you react to that, Nobby? Uh, it, it does make me excited to, to think that uh, in Victoria, at least, we're going to have two elections this year, which means two nights of election coverage. Maybe. Which means uh, Federal could go through until next I thought they had uh, to go year. in November. No. No. Uh, basically, I, I believe if they don't go in nine weeks, then it'll pretty much have to be next year. Okay. Oh. But I do say ABC, if you're listening, party bus, bring it in. We want it. Watch one thing. Kind of. There's nothing worth watching anymore. (laughs) If I was going to watch one thing, it's a bit like that, isn't it? It would be the lost finale over and over and over again. Yes, there's nothing worth watching. Okay. My one thing will be to continue watching the DVDs of Press Gang that I bought the other day. At what point are you going to watch the DVDs of The Wire? I think I'm willing to, to be that guy who says, you know what, I just can't get into The Wire. I don't find it very interesting. I had a conversation with, with a, a man well, in a I, cafe I'm, the other day in which we both, in hushed tones, admitted we didn't actually like The Wire. Well, I'm willing rest, to be it, that, that man who stabs you in the thigh. No, I, th- I think there's, 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 uh, there's a secret you know, society out there to be formed of people who just can't get into The the wire and are ashamed to say it. I think it's time, you know. Have you had have you had problems getting into the wire? Let John know. Email oh, hooray at boxcutters.net. Alternately, if you reach out you know, to someone. Is there another point I can start from that's not season one? You know how many other other series oh, you, you can, can come can, in at, you at, can just, at just jump, four you can, or something? You can jump in at season two. Jump in at season two. Yeah, John, yeah. If if you want to sit in a room full of half wits, then that's the perfect club to I'm set just up. Saying, give it a go. Just, you know what? Maybe it's start, just a cr- 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 crime show like every other. Start maybe. at season two. Yeah, you're wrong there. You're no, so no, wrong. No. There. Season one does seem to just be like any other. Conference. Start at start at season two. Yeah, uh, and uh, and go through from there, mm. and then maybe go back and watch one later. So that might be better. I can find a, yeah, find another point to go in. Give, give that, that a go. Tr- try that. Okay. Let us know how it goes. Mm-hmm. Can you let us know in two weeks? I'll give it a go. All right. Check out the docs. That's what you'll be doing in season two. Just let him do it, Brett. What do are you going to? What about you with now, one thing? Do you I'm, think there's anything like I'm not watching? 100% sold uh, because I've seen another episode of it and because of the nature of it, it is just freaking over the top and, and horrendously voiceovered and saccharine. Um, but uh, I think regardless totally wild. of that... <laughs> You're so not selling this. What, what is it? What is it? It would be interesting to see who Matthew Broderick thinks he is, um, which is on 9 at 8.30. Uh, thinks he's a on Wednesday nights. Um, it's you know hit the, and run the perpetrator. The UK oh, version who, of it and of the, the Australian. Who do, you, who do you think you are? Is that Australian sorry? I, I thought it was it. just a series called Who Does Matthew Broderick Think He Is? Every week. <laughs> <laughs> who do you think you are this week, Matthew Broderick? Ask Knuckle. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> who does Matthew Broderick think he is? Going in movies and acting and then being on stage and singing or I thought, songs. I thought maybe it was being like married an, to an, Sarah an, Jessica Parker. <laughs> who does he think maybe he like is? A, like an acting exercise. This week, Matthew Broderick thinks he's Albert Einstein, <laughs> and then for half an hour he, he is just Albert. He just does a bad. Accent. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting, this election. So they've already done Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, I saw a little bit of the one on Phoebe from Friends. Um, and <laughs> That's how it was credited. <laughs> <laughs> Phoebe from Friends, not, uh, not Ursula from uh, Mad About You. No, that's her sister. Right. 
Right. Who does she think she is? She thinks she's Phoebe from Friends. Yes. That's confusing. Um, but uh, I reckon Matthew Broderick, his story would would hopefully get through uh, that awful, awful presentation they've insisted on putting on it in the States. Is it different to the UK one? Is it? Well, it just it it's just that much more earnest. You know how American production can get that way? Like reality stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and yeah, I'm just going to watch a, a montage of Hurley that I've uh, made up myself <laughs> on my computer. Just watch that, that, that over that and over. That fan video you've done with yeah. uh, uh, Don't Wanna Close My Eyes by Aerosmith. <laughs> hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Because I miss you, baby, and I don't want to miss things. Josh is a bloody fan of yours. Firstly, I want to talk about the the thing that we've all been trying to do, and it's very hard to do, and that is pick the ten greatest TV characters of all time. I announced this on uh, on Twitter and, and Facebook earlier today and, uh, and and people went crazy for it and just started throwing names at me and now I'm going, I haven't included these names in my list and I've only got I've only got my list down to nineteen. I still it, need to get it down to ten. This was a great Nellie Thomas concept, wasn't it? Yeah, she yeah. was saying yeah. top ten characters and I that was interesting because I, I discovered I I approach shows um, often from the concept or the execution <laughs> you or approach, the scripting. Uh, or maybe you just approach tasks with excuses, well, John. Just, no, no, this is just thing, because when I had to think about characters, I kept finding going, well, actually, those characters are boring. It's just that the show itself is is propelled by this really interesting concept. So it was kind of interesting to try and go, well, what's a good character? What makes a good character? And Nellie's list was very interesting because she's John. obviously chosen very well-formed uh, characters. Yeah, and and we're going we're gonna to put these uh, these up on the blog on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Brett, that gives you until Wednesday to get your list done because I've, you've been I've, noticeably absent from the emails going around. Noticeably absent. In fact, John and I noticed it earlier. But nobody noted it. <laughs> now, John, had, I, I'm not sure if you've thought about this, but um, like you expect the, uh, the, the script writers who might be a little bit afraid of it, have you checked that your list conforms to the Bechdel test. Oh, yeah. I, I've actually, Rose, I've got far more women on my list than Nelly does, which I thought was kind of fascinating. Yes. Mine's about half women and and hers. I don't, I don't know if she's got any women on her list, actually. Uh, she does. Okay. She does have She does have women on, on her list. Just? Uh, well, I've uh, my list is at 19 at the moment. <laughs> the uh, short list is currently 19. It's going to be longer by this time tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it did It did start to get... Uh, people would go, oh, what about these people? What about these people? I go, oh... Oh, I haven't mentioned them. Uh, so, so I, I think I've got so I've got I, some I, likely suspects to cut. I think you're asking for trouble. Like it may be more considered, but I think it was asking for trouble to get people to to suggest names that you might have forgotten about. I wasn't asking people to suggest names. I just said I'm trying to do this very difficult thing, mm, and then people it, just it, started it shouting. Sound like you're asking? Yeah, I think asking the internet for help is basically not a probably the the, the brightest. Especially way. So, Twitter. <laughs> yeah, asking Twitter for help. Two words like, in a name. So yeah. I've I've got one. I, I, I've got some that I think are, are likely to to be cut from the list, uh, including Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley, uh, yeah, who I think forgettable. is a, a, a great character. What do you mean forgettable? <laughs> uh, Bill Dotrieve from uh, from King of the Hill. 
Uh, and then, uh, controversially, uh, possibly Al Swearingen from Deadwood. Going to cut him? Quite possibly going to be cut. Uh, so so he's on my list. Swearingen? Yeah. These are like yeah. terrible football teams, aren't they? It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, so so he's uh, on the bench. Uh, and uh, and I did note that Nelly also had uh, had a bench for, uh, for for hers, including uh, Grandma Saracen from Friday Night Lights, Buddy Garrity from Friday Night Lights, Mr. Snuffleupagus from Sesame Street. Yeah, and Friday Night Lights. Well, <laughs> and Friday. Here's a great quarterback in that. Because he was in her original list and then he went out. I added Margaret Pomerantz on my bench because I think she's quite convincing. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of believe her, you know. I mean, yeah, you know, she's a bit crazy, but you, you kind of believe her. But the, the scriptwriters just give her the worst lines. Yeah, they do. They're just bit. really dense, aren't they? And no one would ever wear those earrings. But, you know, but apart oh, from that. Jesus, but one, and this is, this is one that you won't have on your list, John, but one that has come up time and time again. I already did have it on my list, and Nelly already had it on her list. Yeah. Omar Little from The Wire. Yes, yeah, and if Brad has it on his list. <gasps> I beg to differ. Oh, no, no. Bubbles. Oh, see, and, and, so, and so you're going to go with bubbles. It's not that you have to have only one per show as well. You could mm. fill it all mm. with McNulty and Bunk and Bubbles and, and just go, The Wire is the best show ever and just make John feel like crap because he doesn't get it. Or... Not that far. <laughs> have you, had, <laughs> you know, it's like I, I've, I've watched eight episodes. Have that's, you had a look at Tremaine? No, I haven't because having loved The Wire as much as I did, I didn't... <laughs> oh, it's very different. It. Okay. Anyway. See, for me, for me, Tremaine, I was, I was almost instantly there. Mm-hmm. Compared to the wire, which you you sit there figuring things out, mm-hmm. I, I was a little bit unsure about this whole greatest character of all time thing because uh, I, I, I don't think you the I, greatest character of all because it would in, induce Brett to sing. <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I don't believe you can say greatest, and then there there are problems of well, how are you defining greatest? Is it most interesting, or or the one you mm-hmm. wish hadn't died, or you know what? But just to just to put it out there and say no, these are the greatest. Uh, Molly and, and from now, country practice. And now I kind of now I kind of love it. I love the idea of just generically saying these are the greatest. Suck it, Australia, and, <laughs> and just throwing it out there. So we want to hear from you. Uh, email us hooray at boxcutters.net or uh, or click on the talk to box cutters link on the blog and tell us what your favourite or greatest. It's what your greatest all-time TV characters w- would be in a list. List your greatest TV characters of all time. No, no it is what the greatest TV characters of all time are. Oh. <laughs> Put your freaking money on the line, people. Money where your mouth is. Say it like it is. This is who I'm saying are the greatest characters ever. And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode... Two hundred and twenty-six. <laughs> Thanks so much to James Talia for calling in all the way from Marukna. Uh, hope he gets home safely. Yes. And uh, no thanks to Barry O'Farrell, who wasted my time. Screw you, guy. Yeah. Remember, next week, Barnaby Joyce will be phoning in to tell us how to program your PVR. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that joke would have worked so much better if he had I actually know, rung. But it was a good joke, and I wrote it down earlier, and I was going to say it out loud. Yeah, it was a good joke. It was a good joke. Strangely Until me, next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time. Same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. 
Boxcutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find Boxcutters and then they can enjoy it too. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or via SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter. So I just realised a horrible thing. Right. Horrible thing. Barry O'Farrell mm. has been mentioned on the show. Yeah. And is not a guest. <gasps> oh. Now, I, I really, like, yeah, sure, he wasted some of my time, but I, I don't actually wish him any ill. I really don't know him enough to... It's, it's too to, late now, to, Josh. But it is, isn't it's it? It's too late. You, you've said his name several times and he wasn't on the show. And he, and he wasn't on the show. Mm. Uh, I just hope he doesn't become a Liberal Party martyr. Uh, we uh, like we, we'd had Twitter conversations about him coming on the show, and uh, and then emails earlier in the day. In, in, in fact, yeah. And uh, the fact that yeah, the only person we could find who'd actually watched three D television was is the leader of the opposition, the opposition in New South, South Wales. Wales. Yeah. I know. Do you think maybe Josh, yeah, he listened to last week's show or something and thought it was going to be a an ambush on on his involvement with Channel Seven outing. Uh, what's his name? It's a conspiracy that reaches the, the, the very so. pinnacle of the opposition. <laughs> no, I think it was just him being uh, rude and thoughtless. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters. <laughs>